0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to our next episode here of Gym Class All-Stars, as always, brought to you by the Vigot Sports Betting app. Download the app using our promo code code ALLSTARS, bet fake coins, win real prizes. Help us out here on the show, as always. All right, we have been hinting at it, kind of touching on it here and there throughout the last few weeks, but it is time to really jump in to the world of college basketball as the March Madness Tournament Begins in under a month now, about three weeks, honestly, at this point, until the start of March Madness. A very exciting time for all college basketball fans and just basketball fans in general. But the madness this year began a little bit early now, didn't it? Uh, crazy that today was the day that we decided to do our first like full-on college basketball report, seeing as yesterday, Saturday night, seven. Of the top 10 teams ranked in the AP poll, lost. Numbers one, two, three, four, five, six, and nine all took an L on Saturday. The, the rankings sure to be shaken up coming into this next week, but crazy, crazy night. I have uh, the list of the, the results of the game, or at least the, the outcomes, right here. Go through it real quick. So the first, we'll start with the coup de gras. The number one seeded Gonzaga, which actually this was the last game that concluded, if I'm not mistaken, fell to number 23 St. Mary's. St. Mary's actually had a solid year. They're they're a team to to very much look forward, uh, look look to during the tournament. They took out number one seeded Gonzaga. Number two Arizona fell to Colorado, unranked Colorado. Number three, Auburn falls to number uh, 17, Tennessee. Tennessee played a very, very aggressive second half on the defensive end, really turned the tide. Number four, Purdue Purdue dropped by Michigan State. Michigan State was just dropped out of the rankings last week, probably going to hop back in after a big win like that. Kansas falls to number 10, Baylor. So number 10, Baylor stays alive in that sense, but they were able to upset number five, Kansas. Number six, Kentucky falls to number 18, Arkansas, and number nine, Texas Tech falling to unranked TCU. TCU getting a little revenge from earlier in the year. Crazy, crazy day. So what I have here is I have the current top 10 and maybe a few other teams that we're going to mention as, as true contenders for making a championships-type uh, run in March. We, we're going to acknowledge these losses, but let's, let's start at the top. Let's start with the number, current number one seed, Gonzaga stacked team defending uh, defending champs you got potential number one overall draft no excuse me not defending champs my bad excuse me my my fault my fault remembering remembering poorly it's the old the old noggin's not doing me too great right now but Chet Holmgren potential number one overall pick uh star of that team you got Drew Timmy who's back from last year and you have uh the the point guard Nemar Nemar I'm not exactly sure how to pronounce that last name a solid uh, three-man group including some other guys that have also been you know brought back as a team that typically has uh, a few juniors and seniors upperclassmen on their team. Despite the loss, this is still probably going to be the team that I would say most, most people filling out their brackets are going to, going to take all the way. And I want to see what you weigh in there uh, on, on this Gonzaga squad right now.
1: Well, first and foremost, with seven of the top 10 teams losing the shakeup in those rankings, like Baylor's going to jump up obviously, but, One through three should just stay the same because they all lost. Yeah, Gonzaga being that they were one game away from winning the championship last year, undefeated up until that championship game, absolute dominant force. And you lose a few people. who's Corey Kispert, Jalen Suggs, a few others along the way. But you pick up Chet Holmgren, who, I mean, we've known about for years, just probably the play you would love to have where you do – behind-the-back dribble on Steph Curry and hit a three in his face. Like, There's not a whole lot that gets better than that. They are going to be a dominant force. That is a team that I very much foresee coming out of their quadrant Mm -hmm. and easily making it back to the Final Four. They had some baggage with what happened to their coach this past year, if you didn't know. Bad start to the season, Uh, but they have done extremely well. I mean, they have a very stacked team. Gonzaga not one of the blue buds necessarily, but you have this situation where they've been so dominant in, I'd say a week conference, but they always time in time out will play up very well against those blue blood teams. Well coached, great area, definitely someone to watch out for. And drew Timmy best mustache beard combo in the entire NCAA, but always a threat.
0: Nonetheless. Yeah. That, that beard comment. Undoubted. um, do you expect, again, with all these losses, probably not a whole lot of shakeup one through three, do you expect that this Gonzaga team is going to be the number one overall seed in the tournament? I'm going to
1: say yes. Uh, if they're not the overall number one, they will get a one seed in some quadrant Sure, easily.
0: 100%. I, I think that they are going to be ranked number one overall seed, um, but let's let's move forward to the competition, right? Let's talk about number two seed, Arizona, who again also fell yesterday. But Arizona has had a dominant season so far, led by a leading scorer, again, pardon me if I mispronounce his last name, Benedict Mar- uh, Matherin. He's averaging just over 17 points a game this year. Struggled a little bit last night, but regardless, he has been excellent so far. And this team, they've really built a good culture over the last, I'd probably say, decade or so as, as, a, as a good team in March, a winning team, but mostly just a team that's going give to it, give it their all on the court. They're going to hustle for every loose ball. They're going to track every rebound. They're a hard fighting team, but outside of Matherin, skill wise, they don't have a whole, whole lot going on for them in terms of, you know, NBA draft potential, but regardless, they've still found a lot of success coaching, obviously doing a great job. Is this the team that's most likely going to rival Gonzaga or is it going to be maybe like Auburn?
1: I don't think so, but I can't base it off of any play. I mean, you and I being, well, I'm East Coast Central Time. Watching a Pac-12 game is—it's a struggle, being yes. that it starts at 10:30. I am pretty ignorant of this Arizona team this year. I've heard, you know, obviously that they're number two. You, you hear rumblings about them, but let's take it back a few years ago. Uh, Arizona was, I believe, a four seed in their quadrant in March Madness. Uh, they had none other than the number one overall pick, DeAndre Ayton uh but they lost in pretty heartbreaking fashion. It was oh it was a blue team. I don't think it was like a Buffalo, ironically enough. It was some just like a Valparaiso or something like that. Yeah. And just a team they should have lost. lost to. Exactly, losing by ten. So I have you know, obviously players come and go. It's been four years at least, but you still have that comment where if you have the same coaching staff, are they able to execute in March Madness? The running joke was Duke for a number of years, like they'd either win it all or lose in the first round. Michigan State. Michigan State's another good one. So skeptical in that regard, but I think one thing that's working for them is you have a great scorer and a potential NBA pick, and then you're rounded out by a lot of reserve guys who, you know, that may not be good from a skill preference and the skill like area, but you have maybe that idea of that team, that unity, which some people struggle with. I mean, mm-hmm. this didn't happen with Duke a few years ago, but you had Zion, you had Cam Reddish, you had RJ Barrett, three three players who are now in the NBA and for the most part are you know were excellent players in college and very good in the NBA. You could have that mentality where like, hey, we're not playing as a team, we're trying to play for ourselves. So maybe with Arizona, that works in their favor rather than just having a guy who's a star like eight and a few years ago. Yeah,
0: exactly. So. I believe Matherin is a lottery projected pick right now. I don't think he's snuck into the top five yet, but he's, he is definitely going to be, you know, a, a highly sought after shooting guard. The only other team that's really in competition for that that top, top seed at this point is the Auburn Tigers. Uh, they have potentially another number one, potential number one overall pick Jabari Smith, Jr. He's had a sensational season. He had a sensation, sensational game in their loss last night. They also have a massive big man named Walker Kessler. Some of you have probably heard of him and a very solid guard in Wendell Green, Jr. This is a pretty, pretty complete team, but also a fairly young team. You know, they have a couple older guys that, that play, but a guy, you know, your best player, your leading scorer is, in fact, a freshman Jabari Smith. He's very talented, but you can see it. It's raw. It's like, you remember, do you remember Duke Jason Tatum? Like you could see it was all there, but it just, he hadn't, he didn't quite put it together to like the very end of college. And then really until he got to the NBA, I see that he's not going to be the same player as Tatum, but I, I see that kind of process happening for Jabari Smith where he's gotten better and better as the season's gone on. He might even put together a, a great game or so in, in the tournament or two, i mean this is a very good team they're gonna win a a they're gonna win their first round matchup they're probably gonna win their second round matchup um but i always question those teams that are led by a a freshman that isn't like just a dominant scorer simply because at the end of the day it's either gonna draw the question of do we go to this guy in the clutch and if we do does he actually make the shot it's he again he's gotten way better but there's still a lot of questions to be asked i'm hesitant on this auburn team but also you can't deny the raw athleticism and raw skill that they have um to me they're a big question mark i think they're they're very much in the discussion of what you just said they could either lose really early or they could maybe they they could take the thing all the way it's because you don't you don't hear of auburn too terribly much as you know a number potential number one overall seed in march madness
1: true what i will say going in that regard a lot of the sec teams For basketball, the SEC isn't as well known, but the past few years, there have been a few teams that have popped up and good besides Kentucky. I mean, you had Alabama last year. Uh, LSU has been kind of consistently good as of late. I like the idea of a good SEC school, and if you have a scenario where, say, Gonzaga doesn't run the table in their conference and, you know, doesn't... They'll make the tournament regardless, but doesn't get that title and if Auburn were to then win the SEC, I think that puts them in a position to get that number one overall seed in the tournament. In the end, I think the first three will get number one seeds unless it's like, you know, heinous showing in their respective conference tournaments. They,
0: they would need to lose another game or two in the regular season, at least lose in their first matchup of their conference tournament, and then probably sustain a serious injury to, to be honest, to actually get dropped that far. Um, but, yeah, I, th- I think uh, I think there's no question Auburn's going to be um, a number one seed. It, it, that, that top seed is definitely going to come, especially if Gonzaga loses. There is a chance Auburn could jump Arizona to be the number one overall seed. It's very possible. So we, we will very much see how that shakes up. But that's kind of our rundown of Auburn right now. Now we're going to drop down to where it's going to get a little murky on who that fourth number one seed is going to be, where all the twos are going to be, It's where you know really gets fun. For right now is Purdue, again, before the loss last night. Uh, Jaden Ivey, top draft prospect. He's had a sensational year, had a buzzer beater earlier in the year. He is a guy that I don't usually think too highly of Purdue teams, usually because they're based all around just a big guy who isn't a very good free throw shooter, stuff like that. They're based around a shooting guard small forward right now and a very good scoring shooting guard small forward. He's very athletic. I still hesitate because it's Purdue. But I see in him, at least, he is poised for a deep run. I don't know if Purdue is necessarily going to do it. I think they'd actually be better off as a two seed rather than the pressure of being that fourth one seed. Um, but he, he's going to – if they win the Big Ten, they they're no question going to be the top uh, – a number one seed, maybe fourth or third, whatever it is. Um, but if, if they actually come out and win the Big Ten, which is always a difficult thing to do, even if you're the best team um, – that would actually make me feel a lot better because it, it proves they're they're ready to go. You've you've gone up against, this isn't necessarily the best year for the Big Ten, but you've still, you've gotten battle tested against very good programs. And then if you're a one seed, you're going to get a, at least one cupcake game. And then you got to be ready to go by that point. Like if you're going to hit a groove, you're going to be in it by that point. They're going to be ready to go. And I think Jaden Ivey is the guy that can kind of lead them in that way. But again, we'll see how much the fact that they're Purdue holds hold them back
1: it just smells like sweet 16 eggs that if they don't get that one seed. Yeah. And even then.
0: <laughs> it's true. It's true. Um, but Purdue has been the best big 10 team pretty much all year long. So they, they will get that top seed in that tournament most likely moving on number five, this team, I have had my eye on all year, Kansas, because of their star, Ochai Agbaji. Everyone's been hearing him, uh, hearing about him recently. I have actually known about him for a few years. I think this dude, the sky is the limit for this guy. I think he's so athletic. I think he's so fast. Defensively, he's solid. Offensively, he can hit just about any shot. He's got another good bra- uh, guard in, in Brown right next to him. That guard duo between the two of those guys, but specifically Akbaji has just been, it, it's been everything Kansas has needed to lead on, uh, lean on all year. Again, late loss in the season yesterday, tough one to shake off. But th- this team, I've had my this team and Duke are the two I've had my eye on about the last month or so, because a blue bloods always got to watch out for the blue bloods. And B when you have a blue blood with, first of all, Duke is just stacked all around Their, their team is insane this year. But when Kansas, when you have a guy like Ochai who maybe isn't going to be a top five pick, but he's that guy whose name just keeps popping up all over the place. Every time you hear about Kansas basketball team, you hear about Ochai. He's always doing things. And this, this is a team that can thrive off of just one player. That's really all they need sometimes that, and they, they, it's not just one player. That's not what I'm trying to say, because they have this this other guard. They have a few other uh, other guys. I mean, we, we know how well they do recruiting. This is a scary team. This, this to me, is more scary than Purdue. It's honestly, they're, they're my guess, you know, as long as they win, win their conference tournament, they're my guess as to who's going to be the fourth number one seed. Um, just off of, again, blue blood, top-tier player, top-tier team. It makes a lot of sense. They've been solid all year round. I don't know. I really like them. And, and Kansas can, again, be kind of iffy when it comes to tournament time, but this this team's looking pretty good right now.
1: Yeah, and I think what's been interesting this year is they've really throttled a lot of good teams. I mean, you know, lost to Baylor yesterday doesn't really help my narrative there, but <laughs> when Kansas is good, they're scary. I also, though – hesitate on Kansas overall in a tournament just because past history. They always look good, or they have had moments where they look phenomenal, and then they kind of just, you know, they'll win a game or two, but then sort of throw out disappointment. I don't know. I'm playing a lot on past histories, but sometimes you got to follow it a little bit.
0: It's true. It's true. Kansas. Was, Was Mario Chalmers their last title? Yes. That's what I thought. Okay. Yeah i don't i don't need another one that's that's fine we love the we love mario chalmers um but yeah this is a hand. So, so slightly slightly different opinions there on kansas but again we, we kind of know the inconsistency that they have at times um number six we're gonna see another another stacked roster you got kentucky again another blue blood this is the thick of it of the blue bloods we got f- f- three in a row essentially four in a row almost um oscar i do not know how to say his last name but the would be, I, I'm sorry, I, I'm botching it. I apologize. He's their power forward. He's been incredible. He's an, it's a dominant force inside. You got Ty Ty Washington, who's going to be a top 10 pick in the NBA draft. Maybe even the first point guard drafted. You got the Iowa transfer, CJ Frederick, who barely plays. You got Damian Collins, another potential lottery pick. First round pick at the very least. They're a stacked team. They're a young team. That, that, again, that's my red flag always, is if a team's too young. However, when it's a blue blood like this, you have to take note that they're almost always a young team. They're very rarely going to have a large grouping of players that are juniors and seniors that have been there for a while. You're going to have a couple, maybe one or two in the lineup. Um, but, you, you, you know, they're, they're a team that's learned to use their use to, the, to their advantage. Having a, a shot making guard like Ty Ty Washington is always going to come up clutch in March Madness. You always know the guards are ready to go. You got your Andrew Harrison, Trey Burks, whatever it is. They're always going to be there. And then you have a good presence inside. Have, having a guy on the, uh, on the perimeter and a guy inside that you can just trust no matter what. It's, it's an extremely useful thing to have. It's something that they do have. Again, the inconsistency in the early rounds is, is what always comes up the question. But when there's three or four blue bloods like this that are really, really good that one year, you know, most likely one of them is going to break through. It, it Just based, you know playing the odds game. I actually have the least amount of faith in Kentucky, but I, I don't know if there's a bad one to put, you know, if you're, if you're picking Kansas, Kentucky, Duke, like there's not necessarily a bad option there.
1: Even saying that though, I, Calipari has had, always had young teams and granted it wasn't like, you know, when AD was on the team, it was a stacked roster of mm-hmm. what ended up becoming just NBA players. But at the same token, you have a guy who's used to those young players and understandably so when those teams are good, they go pretty far in the tournament. They are not a team to be upset immediately. Like they will fight, they will claw, you know, do they win titles every year? No, but they are always competing and mm-hmm. they're going kind of deep in it. So I, of those three, well, we'll get to actually let's get to do. Yeah. Let's see.
0: Okay. So number seven, is Duke. This is, this is the team that I am thinking about to thinking of uh, picking to go all the way, depending on what their portion of the bracket looks like, what seed they end up getting. This team is riddled with veterans, with young guys. They got, well, they have one true veteran in A.J. Griffin. who has been their top guard, guard forward. He's been great. And then they have another young guy, the freshman, Paolo Boncero, potential number one overall draft pick, who's just been sensational. He has burst past all, potential expectations which are already extremely high because of being a five-star prospect we being recruited by Duke he has just blown away the expectations that have been put on him you have Mark Williams who's, who's their center who's probably going to win the defensive player of the year at the very least for their conference you got Wendell Moore who's kind of been lost in the mix but is also a very very talented basketball player it's all about putting it all together you don't want anyone to lose their head and think they're the star you don't want anyone to kind of lose faith at any point but if this team can harness it and in coach k's last year how great how storybook of a finish for that career would it be for duke to win and for and for him to go out on top this very very well could be that team to do it for him that's almost why like i know it's just too poetic and i can't base it just off of that but then you look at their roster you look at the history you look at the coaching this team has it all they could very well go all the way and send Coach K out as, as probably the greatest college basketball coach of all time.
1: I undoubtedly so. That's why I hesitated. I think in a normal year, Calipari would take his team the farthest, or at least Kentucky. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Duke is a team of destiny, or at least it's written like one. You have just a great core. You have Coach K, who has steered the ship for a number of years, and while some of those years have ended in disappointment, losing to Lehigh, losing to Mercer, those number- first-round upsets, you're still winning titles in the grand scheme of things. I would still be cautious about Duke, though. It seems like the team of destiny seems poetic, but that always leads to disappointment, unless you have a few like nice kind of... The the scenario team is too perfect, put it that way, and I will be rooting for Duke to win it all. I will publicly say that, big Duke fan. But I am still actually I'm putting my faith in Coach K. They're gonna go out with a bang. I'm not saying win it all, but I think of those three Blue Bloods, they're gonna go the farthest.
0: Yeah, that's yeah, that's I, I'm feeling. I don't know you you, you kind of got me rethinking Kentucky. I, I Kansas and Kentucky to me are like they max out at. The furthest the Elite Eight, but I'm thinking like Sweet 16 ish. Duke, I think the earliest they're going down is is Elite Eight Final Four. I I I really do think they're ch- it, they're going to make a good Final Four run at the very least. I think I think they're poised for that team of destiny at least to an extent. You know. All right. So those those obviously being the big big power guy power blue bloods all in a row there. We still have is Villanova considered a blue blood at this point? No. Yes. I know they're not in the major conference, but
1: they aren't at the same time, though. They've been dominant for long enough. I mean, Jay Wright has steered the ship well for a number of years at this point. I wouldn't call them blue blood, but you have to put them in contender. But it's only because they just don't have a long history of getting the best players. They just are good. Yeah. And they play very well if they have.
0: Villanova, so that, that, that's their issue, is they don't always get the top talent prospect. But they do usually have a lot of their guys stay for a long amount of time. Speaking of their player of the year candidate, Colin Gillespie, their point guard, their, their, their leader, he's been there a long time. He's, you know, may, he, he might make it in the NBA, who really knows, but he's a college basketball player. He's an excellent college basketball player. Villanova is eight, by the way, if I haven't specifically mentioned that. Um, again, like you mentioned, Jay Wright has been steering this ship, and he knows exactly what he's doing at this point. Whether or not his roster is as talented as the year the, the years that they were you know playing in the national championships just, just a couple years back. Is regard it doesn't doesn't even matter because because we know even if they have a tough portion of the bracket and they lose in the second round we know that they're not going to beat themselves this is never a team that's going to lose based off the turnover game or getting out rebounded anything like that they're even if they're not shooting well they're going to find ways to succeed I don't think this is a Villanova team that's poised for a super deep run this year but they are that team that if they get a decent decently clear path it's not a question that they can make a deep run. Um, I typically almost always pick wrong, whatever Villanova does, unfortunately for me, but Villanova is kind of that middle tier team for me right now. I know they're ranked eight, but it's all about matchups for that, for a team like that. Number nine, the final uh, team of the seven that uh, top 10 teams that lost last night being Texas Tech. This is weird because Texas Tech isn't necessarily a team that I always think about as a veteran team, but they actually are this year. And it's, it's for the most part. And they, they, they've built that to their advantage. Terrence Shannon jr. Has been there a few years. Uh, Santos Silva has been there a few years. They have a couple of young guys, of course, as as most colleges are going to have, but they've actually built a decent culture. You know, they were in the national championship just a few years back. They, this is a good rising program, tough loss last night, but I I think that they're going to bounce back pretty well. This is a team that, I'm going to keep an eye on come tournament time now, come come during their uh, conference tournament, because if they do well, they get hot. That's the thing. They need to get hot for a tournament. They're not just going to naturally do it off of skill, but if they get hot at the right time, which is right about now, they are very, very much going to be making a deep run in March Madness.
1: Agreed. They they strike me as a sneaky three seed, though, in, in the end of everything.
0: Yeah, I can see that. That actually sounds pretty fitting for them. All right, and we just mentioned they, they took out number five, Kansas 10 seed, Baylor. No insane draft prospects so far as I know. No lottery picks at the very least. You got got Joe. You got, Keenjo, you got uh, the, the lead score, Flagler, at 13 and a half, about. Um, th- this is a full group team. This is a – everybody plays their part. Nobody is really the hero per se. We have our guys that play perimeter defense. We have our guys that play interior. We have our guys that take shots. We have our guys that go inside. Yada, yada, yada. This is just, they got seven or eight guys that are just going to play every day. They're going to play hard and they're going to beat you. And they just proved that. Beating a team that has, like I said, a, a potential lottery pick in Ochai Baji took them down. This is, this is not a team that's going to light up the scoreboard, light up the stat sheet necessarily, but they're going to pound you every time. My issue is Baylor is a team that never shows up in March. Never, ever, ever. ever. The, the exception of, what was it, Dylan Brooks' team? What about last year? Oh, that's right. They did have a good run. I'm I'm blanking on that, last year. I, my bracket didn't do very well last year, so I kind of blanked it from my memory. I, that's the thing, though.
1: Yeah, they usually don't do well, and that was our basis for, like, oh, I think they're going to get upset. And, you know, they ran the table, they play Gonzaga, they crushed them. And, granted, you have people like Davion Mitchell or yeah. Ron now, but I think – and I'm not sure about this Baylor team, but you still have that championship pedigree. It's so hard to repeat, Mm -hmm. but if you're a physical team and are able to control the pace, control defensively other teams, you can do a lot in March, and I think that's like just a nightmare matchup for teams. They could be a three. They could be a four seed. I tend to believe they fall three-ish. To me... Baylor coming off that title, were they were obviously a very highly touted team. I think they were the 2C because Gonzaga was undefeated. To me, though, maybe it's a chip on your shoulder. At least that's some way they could potentially use where they're at to an advantage. They're not number two in the rankings this year, but they're beating teams. They're controlling the pace. Uh, Baylor's a team to watch out for could be scary. I think this is one of those years where they're going to stop teams dead in their tracks rather than get stopped in their tracks. So they're going to pull off some upsets. They're going to make a deep run, but I feel like elite eight is very reasonable to
0: get to. I mean, they, they did a good job of replacing Davion Mitchell with a guy like James Akinjo who's he's hasn't been quite as effective as Davion. Like he's not going to be the defensive player of the year or anything, but he, he, you know, he's a defensive-minded guard. He, he leads the team in that sense. So it was a good guy to get to fill in, and clearly it's drawn success. They're going to jump up to, you know, inside the top 10 now. Um, yeah, this is, you know, if they again, if they can get a little bit hot, get things going, they can. And as we saw last year, very well make a deep run. But typically Baylor, you know, when I've seen them at three, I'm just – if that – 14 or you know if they're four that that 12 if it looks uh or excuse me I'm getting my seeds wrong but whatever um if it looks like it's something that could really like it's just one of those teams that either had like one of those conference winners that has one dude who can just ball or one of these programs that just you know the one of has a good you know has a good coach or has a good system that works I could see them losing early but it's just because I don't see it's not, it's not what it was last year, obviously. They're not the number two seed anymore, but, but, but like what you said to their credit, they have built, you know, good chemistry. They've built good, a good program there. They are very well team that could bear down the hatches for a good run in March. Okay. So that's the top 10 as of right now, again, the rankings are going to shake up. I have a few other teams here that I just want to talk about briefly um, before we move on into the NBA, but, First things first, 12-seed UCLA is another one of the teams I've deeply had my eye on this past month or so. Um, they're not the deepest of teams, but they, their starting lineup is incredible. It's, it's fantastic. They have Johnny Juzang, who didn't play last night, in their blowout win over three-win Oklahoma State. Um, but he, he's been great all year. He obviously played well in the final four match last year. Um, they got their point guard Tiger from last year as well, became fan favorite. He's back as well. You have Jaquez, uh, excuse me, uh, I think it's Jamie Jaquez Jr., essentially their small forward. He's been an excellent guy to pair next to Juzang. Them two, as as the is either the two, three or the three, four, have just been excellent together. And then you've got Peyton Watson, who's also potentially going to get drafted next year. He's been in the starting lineup as well most of the year. That's a, if you've got four guys like that in your starting lineup that can just play, that's going to take you pretty far. UCLA, also a team that's, you know. Again, up and down, but typically a pretty good basketball program. I like this team a lot. I, I like that duo of Juzang and Jaquez a lot.
1: I do too, and there was something during the tournament, Jamie Jaquez Jr. was just – he was going nuts, and he played – he did so much. It's a, it was Johnny Juzang? Juzang. 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 The, too many Js, but <laughs> nonetheless, they went from being a play-in game to just effectively being – Jalen Suggs half court, three quarter court heave away from playing in the final. Not to say they would have won double overtime, but it's that team has a lot of experience. They learned a lot of lessons from last year. They kept a lot of the core players. They could do a lot of damage. I, though, am weary just because a lot of times when you're like, oh, this is a shoe in to do well, they have so much experience, like, that just always loses a heartbreak in March, and I can see them being a weird second-round exit for whatever reason.
0: My, my big fear for them is, you remember that one year that Michigan State got ranked, like, four? Like, a, like a four-seed? Everyone was like, this is ridiculous. They should have been a two-seed, and then they ended up losing in the first round anyway. Or second round, whatever. They lost really early. Sure, okay. I think that's what people might expect out of this UCLA team. So, like, if UCLA gets underranked for some reason. And then people start to hype them up as, Oh, well, they're just going to run the table because they got a low, right? Whatever they you know, they got disrespected. That would bite them in the ass. I think, I think that would actually really hurt them. This is a team that needs to be like a, they're right around three, four right now. I think if they can comfortably bump themselves into a three role, which again, after all these losses very well, is probably going to be the case. That's their safety net that, that is going to help them with a few more matchups early on. You'll eventually potentially have to face a two seed obviously, but, It's better than being a six and then immediately, you know, if you win having to most likely play a three and then another two, it it gives you at least another game buffer to get comfortable and hopefully not screw up in your first round matchup. Um, But again, if this team gets comfortable like they did last year, they get in a groove like, like a guy like Jaquez did last year. We know that they can go far in March. So they very much a team outside the top 10 right now to look forward to 13 Wisconsin, the second best team in the big 10 right now, led by Johnny Davis got he's just a two-way guy that can go he, he can light it up on both ends it's just a guy to watch out for that Wisconsin team isn't built for a deep deep run I don't think but they're a team that led by that guy can make some noise
1: they're always my darling in the tournaments I will always pick them to go far because of the one year we did it and I correctly predicted them to get to the finals they lost to Kentucky sure. I picked them to win it all but uh yeah I Wisconsin basketball you know I, I'm a big fan of the idea of them doing well got a little bit of extra emphasis just with uh, John Howard mm-hmm. punching their assistant coach in the face it's true so you know maybe you can use that as fuel to go somewhere but I think you're right I think that's a team that's a sweet 16 and could depending on matchup maybe go to lead eight but mm-hmm. I like the idea though so I'm gonna keep speaking into existence that Wisconsin is going to win it all just saying I
0: have a a pretty good Wisconsin story which is also why I typically like them in March and wanted to bring them up I I want to say it was against Villanova but they were playing a two seed in the second round one year it's like a a, they were a low ranked seven or ten they got poorly ranked but they were in that seven ten they won and I, I hadn't watched a single moment of the game I turned the game on with two seconds left and I watched one play it's Bronson Koenig hitting a turnaround game winning three to send home the two seed and keep Michigan, uh, Wisconsin dancing. And I go, cool. Watched all that I needed to watch of that game. And that immediately made me just have to commit to Wisconsin. I don't like them. I hate most other Big Ten schools that aren't Iowa or or Michigan. But you got to respect that that program. They are an excellently run school, run team. And with a guy like Johnny Davis, you cannot sleep on them.
1: I think that was the year after Villanova won in that buzzer reader against UNC – where Nova was another one, and then they were an eight. Yeah, maybe it was so, that it might have been that, yeah. Because they beat Nova, and then the, they so the, they win close game. They knock off the number one overall seed, and then they play Florida. And I remember watching the Florida game, where it's one of the craziest buzzer beaters I've ever seen, where Florida guard runs up the court and shoots a three. He's just behind the line. And he jumps forward and like gets to basically the free throw line, but he swishes this three, kind of like on a like a Dwayne Wade kind of heave. Then, so maybe that's what we're referencing, but Wisconsin's still my darling, nonetheless. Hundred percent, hundred percent. So
0: definitely, definitely keep an eye on Wisco. Number seventeen, Tennessee, coming off that big win over Arizona last night. I re- I was watching this team because I always like Tennessee. They're they're a grit and grind defensive team most years, which is exactly what they are this year. Um, and they, they really dug in in that second half against, against Auburn. They played an excellent, excellent game of basketball led by, um, what was it Zeigler and Chandler? Their, their guard combo was excellent defensively. They were able to limit Walker Kessler inside, too, which is not easy to do. That man is seven foot two. That is a hard, hard man to stop. Um, but they, they slowed him down. They pressured them all half long, full court press, all half excellent excellent playoff uh from from them and they just the energy they brought was was different than what Auburn had and what what i would seen in, in a few past years I always like Tennessee because of that factor and it's very much a big part of what they have right now and again it's tough to say how far they're gonna go but they're gonna get my guess is like a four or five seed depending on what one seed they're at though that could be a matchup to watch is they're even if they lose, they're going to play that one seed hard. They're going to play them tough for all 40 minutes.
1: You got me convinced. But you, you need some of those four seeds. But that falls in the position where you play one of the 13 or 12 seeds that won their conference but just in a like a lesser conference. And that gets dicey. That happens every year. So what you're telling me is Tennessee all the way no
0: no because Tennessee would actually be a team that could potentially be susceptible to something like that because maybe they don't do quite enough homework on this team that has this guy that can just absolutely ball out or whatever or maybe they just have a guy who can do some of the things that are the little bit of chinks in the armor of that Tennessee defense who knows you, you can't necessarily predict that so but that, that being said they're a team that sh- even even if they're struggling at halftime would in theory be able to be a tight enough group to kind of bear down the hatches and and hopefully, you know, come out with a win in that first round matchup. But obviously, that's why March is so mad. We don't know for sure. We could never know. Last few teams here, a couple more Big Ten teams that I want to mention: Ohio State. You got to mention EJ Liddell, excellent big man. Um, for them, it's all for me. With them, it's all about matchups. It's all about where they get put, what seed they get, and you know, who, who they potentially would have to face. They're currently ranked 22. So, you know, they're, they're, they're getting towards that five, six territory. We'll see how they finish up, see how they do in the big 10 tournament. That'll be extremely important. Um, But when you have a guy like Liddell, it's, it's always good to note. He's been there for a couple years now. He's a very, very good, big man, big, sh- uh, good shooting sport, uh floor spacer got to mention my 25 seed Iowa Hawkeyes had had a good week. Honestly, I'd had a good month. I don't, I think, either one loss or no losses this, this month so far done very well. Uh, The leading scorer in in the nation, Keegan Murray, he's been excellent all year. You got six year point guard, Jordan Bohannon. Um, This is not a deep team. This is not a team that's going to make a title run, but this is a team that could upset somebody. This is a team that could go to the sweet 16, potentially based off matchups Um, again, because of the fact that they have a light light up scorer, they have shooters and um, nobody talks about Chris Murray, the other Murray, he's going to be very good too, because he's an excellent rebounder, especially, a, an offensive rebounder, which is very important to have. Um, and then the coaching, of course, of Fran McCaffrey, he's been there forever. It's a every, you know, everybody knows how, how that works, how that system works and how it's going again, not necessarily a title contending Hawkeye team, but it's going to be a team to keep your eye on uh, any, any team with the leading scorer in the nation is a team to keep your eye on. And finally unranked, they just got dropped, but they're ranked essentially twenty sixth, Michigan state. Excellent basketball program. Again, they're a team that could lose in the first round. They're a team that could go all the way. They have they had a little too much inconsistency to be considered a deep run team. But Maybe that's, that's what they need to be flying under the radar a little bit. You had a potential lottery pick in Max Christie, uh, the guard forward. Obviously, we know about the coaching there and how it's been built over the last few years. It's a team to keep an eye on. That's really what I wanted to bring them up for. It's a team that could upset the team you picked if if they meet up at some point. It's a team that could mess things up come, uh, you know, tournament time. Maybe they win the big 10. Maybe they lose early. Who knows? It could really shake things up. They're a team that holds a lot of power in that, in that ground right now. Any, any other teams that you've noticed or heard about throughout the course of the year that you think maybe, maybe worth bringing up about three weeks pre-filling
1: out brackets i always want to bring up lehigh they're right now in the patriot league tournaments but you always got to throw them in that's my own bias personally but also duke. just you, you have lehigh cj McCollum a few years ago when they upset duke um let me think here i think you've covered most I and mean, we just did teams. Not to say those, of those 13, one of them will have to win, but... No, no.
0: If that was the case, March wouldn't be fun.
1: It wouldn't be. (laughs) Uh, I will. One thing I will say, though, last year we had the two best teams make it to the finals, Gonzaga and Baylor. Baylor won, but I think this March, because there'll be fans back at all these games, I mean, they have games up in Buffalo, they'll the arenas will be packed. So that adds mm-hmm. an extra element to those games. And to me, I think we're going to have, well, I hope we have more upsets, but I think it's going to be a lot harder to predict this year than last year where, you you know, any person who's never watched basketball could have just been like, yeah, I'll pick Gonzaga Baylor and maybe I pick Gonzaga to win it all. Yeah. And you're pretty close. No, the, the fan
0: element really adds something else that can't, can't be replaced by by noises in the stadium or just a handful of fans in the crowd gotta have the pack stadiums that's what that's what makes it so exciting other than the madness itself of course but yeah no it's it's gonna be crazy as always don't worry we're gonna do another bracketology episode like we did last year uh break it down for you guys once the bracket's released see what we we think on how it came out Still a few weeks away from that, though, so so bear with us. We'll keep you updated if you know any more top ten seeds lose any any more crazy amounts of top ten seeds lose, um, and what shakes up over the next couple of weeks in the world of college basketball heading into March. For now, I'm gonna take a little break here because you uh I believe you took a little trip this past weekend. You wanna wanna talk about that for a hot second to a uh, state that I'm not too fond of, but seems to have uh, done better than I may have predicted it. <laughs>
1: Yeah, uh, no, I took a trip to Cleveland this past week. I went Thursday, Friday, and then came back Saturday. Uh, Just a nice little, I don't know, get away from everything. And saw a concert down there. Uh, Did some sightseeing. Went to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Um, I'm not a big art guy, but I know this is not really sports related. but the Cleveland Museum of Art, like, even if you don't really care about it, like, it's honestly, it was really impressive. I thought, like, a ton of stuff, and... You know, I think I spent like three hours in there, which I would never say at like normal museums. But um, the sports related part is after being in Cleveland for two days, I took a trip down to Canton, Ohio, which is an hour south. And that was a great time. Saw so the Pro Football Hall of Fame, which was awesome. You know, I was geeking out the entire time. Um, I saw a few things and I took photos of them. I didn't get a chance to share them with you, but I wanted to, before I send them to you, I wanted to talk about them because they're pretty cool. I saw a few Steelers things, which is what I wanted to bring up. The start of where you get in there, there are a bunch of different photos like from over the years. And this photo, if you check your phone, was in it. And obviously everyone who's not Robbie can't see it, but it was a photo that Almost won a photo competition it's TJ Watt jumping and there's like fireworks going off the background. beautiful photo yeah, I that's gorgeous want to call that out for you boy. bunch of different other like jerseys a ton of information I got to see all the bus which is really mm-hmm. cool uh, yeah and just just a great time and I really enjoyed it It was everything you could want I uh, got to, gotta to see Lombardi trophy. I would imagine it was just kind of a, not a replica, but one not from the Super Bowl because they're all in organizations, Mm -hmm. but seeing that up close and personal is really cool. And yeah, a great time. So there's just sports life combination there.
0: Very cool. No, it's always cool to be able to, Hey, take, just take a little trip, get away from everything for a little while. And then also, you know, you get a chance to go to something like the pro football hall of fame. That's always just a really cool opportunity to have. So glad you got that. That sounds awesome. That picture of TJ Watt is fantastic. Love a good TJ Watt picture. But yeah, glad you guys had a good time. Gonna move on here. Gonna move into the world of the NBA. It's a basketball heavy podcast today. Sorry for any any other sports fans. There's really not much going on otherwise. Gonna start with your Philadelphia 76ers. Made a pretty, pretty relevant trade at the deadline to bring in a guy like Paul Mills. I mean James Harden. Harden did make his 76ers debut over the weekend versus the Timberwolves in a massacre of those Timberwolves. Harden played phenomenally, 27 points, 12 assists, eight rebounds. Philly currently sitting now third in the Eastern Conference. Joel Embiid, one of the heavy favorites now to win the MVP award. And as of the start of this podcast, the Sixers were currently beating the Knicks in Madison Square Garden. I do not know if that's changed. They were up about six when I when I stopped uh, we started here.
1: So I've been half passively watching the game on my phone. They are up by eight right now with about two and a half minutes left. Joel Amade is 37. He has made 21 of 25 free throws, which is just nuts. That's insane.
0: Yeah. Um going going back to the debut though. Embiid, his comment after the game really, really says it all. First game playing with Harden, he says he never felt that wide open isn't it, in his entire life. That is high, high praise. I mean, I just a little bit of that Knicks game I got to watch today and and the highlights that I saw from the game against the Timberwolves, they are already causing havoc. The pick and roll game alone is near unstoppable with those two in it. You can always have one of them on the court if you really want to. You have a superstar near the ball or with on ball or possessing the ball at all times now. And the fact that the pressure is now taken off and be still can go for clearly 37, every single night still now it's even easier. Now there's pressure off Harden because with Durant in, out and Kyrie in and on the lineup, he was the guy in Brooklyn. And it wasn't really planned to be that way. So it wasn't working very well. Now he's the clear number two. He's the clear top playmaker on the team is excellent. This is all he's ever needed. He's got a clear role. He's got a clear coaching staff, like a, like a solid coaching staff, uh, a GM that really likes him and a superstar that is better than him by such a significant amount that it's not necessarily humbling to him, but it, it makes him understand that this is not something he's going to try and fuck with. This is not something that he's not going to try and be the guy instead of Durant or instead of Westbrook. He knows his role. He understands his importance and, that's a different James Harden. That that's it's. I still don't trust him come playoff time. I refuse that. But right now, after two games, he looks very well bought in. It looks like it's going to work pretty damn well.
1: Well, I think what's important though is that comment. Like I've never felt so open. Our sample size is two right now. They beat the Timberwolves by thirty. They are winning by twelve against the Knicks. I'm, I presume they're going to win. Otherwise, we will. This will be the Super Bowl for New York fans. Yeah. But I think what's important is this isn't the James Harden that we saw on the Rockets where he was trying to do everything. This is the James Harden where, more like the Nets in the sense that he is a facilitator, he may lead the offense, but he's not the main, doesn't be the main scorer, main playmaker. I mean, there was just a drive where he had the ball, defenders converged on him, and he just stopped and had this bounce pass wide open from matisse Thibel. Like, just froze the defense, and... Maybe Harden won't be that MVP caliber we saw back in 2018. But I think what's important is that comment about Embiid. Embiid's going to do better because Harden takes a load off of him offensively. Uh, You still have people like Matisse. You still have Tyrese Maxey, who I think has like 25 today. They're going to still contribute, and that's going to be very vital. But you may not trust Harden in the playoffs, and that's fine but maybe you're not the one supposed to be trusting him. Maybe it's Joel Embiid this time.
0: One thing it definitely did, regardless of playoffs or not, is it made it significantly harder to double-team Joel Embiid. That's
1: important, with, without a doubt, because you know, you'd know you see him in playoffs, and I this is something I was even accustomed to doing. You'd almost blame him when you get the ball in crunch time and he wouldn't score because you had two or three guys on him, and it wasn't just Al Horford being great at defense. It was because <laughs> it's hard to... Score on two NBA players. Yes, it does. Even if you're the size of two. I am a big fan of the trade. I think they're looking good, and I'm excited. Even if you say the Nets on paper got better, I think this is going to work out for the Sixers and will be the best case scenario of what happened with the Ben Simmons situation. So,
0: This is a conversation for when they lose in the playoffs, but the Brooklyn Nets got worse. We'll get to the Nets in a second here. We're going to take a, take a quick repeat, hop over the West for a second, though. Uh, by the by, the way, Sixers, sorry, sorry, the last thing I wanted to say is they have, again, legitimately put themselves in Eastern Conference contention again. Like, they were teetering on the line before. They're 100% contending for an NBA title now. No question. I'm going to move to the West now for a hot second here. John Morant blew a casket last night, had 46 points in the win versus Chicago, which is obviously a big win being... The, the Bulls being the two seed in the East. Memphis currently sits at three in the West. They have the third best record, however, in the NBA. Top three teams in the West have a better record than the Miami Heat, the number one team in the East. So a little top heavy there for the West there, but we've talked about them a lot this year in terms of what we think could happen. They really only have one superstar right now. They're a pretty deep team, pretty well coached team, but outside of Ja, no one that's really going to blow you away come playoff time necessarily. Um, I'm wondering now, is this a team that we, you know, is it just a regular season threat? And is this a team that maybe drops their first round matchup or, you know, is Ja too good for that? Was the playoff loss last year all he really needed? Is this a team that could really compete with the Phoenixes and the Golden States of of the Western Conference?
1: Let's take this step-by-step here. You have... The Grizzlies right now are the three seed. They've had an excellent season, led primarily by Ja. But last year, they were the eight seed. They, you know, beat the Warriors to earn that eight seed. They played the Utah Jazz. They lost. Okay, so be it. I mean, the Jazz were a stacked team. They played very well. They were the best team record wise. Uh, to me, this Grizzlies team is different. Jazz another year older. He's a lot better from last year, and I mean they're they're beating really good teams, and I don't think they're gonna usurp the Warriors or the Suns for like a one or two seed. But when you get in that six seed matchup, you're playing a team like oh boy. Let's let's take a peek at the standings. Nuggets right now, but like Nuggets, Mavs, maybe the Timberwolves if they can get a little better, and. I think they'll kill the Mavericks because they play defense. I think the Nuggets, unless Jamal Murray comes back, which there have been a little, some rumblings about, I believe.
0: He's getting there, getting there. It could be a playoff thing.
1: And then, I mean, the Timberwolves, this has been a good year for them, but I mean, there's still no position to do anything. I think there's easily a first round win in their books. And it'd be honestly kind of shocking and surprising they didn't. But. It's the flip side of the coin. Okay, they win the first round. What happens then? You're up against the Warriors most likely, and I could see them taking it to six, but I'd have to believe, barring any injury, the Warriors with their pedigree with Steph Curry, they'd have to take it. But yeah. I'm sure Jaw's gonna have a good stat line. I'm sure the Grizzlies will look good, but you can't count out that grit and grind. But I would be very hesitant to say they'd go past the second round.
0: Duly noted. We'll see who they, you know, what happens. We'll Phoenix now some question marks. We'll get to that towards the end of the NBA report. I want to take it back to Brooklyn here for a second now, because they, um, when I say seconds, I mean seconds after we finished recording our last episode, Goran Draj signed with the Brooklyn Nets. Yep. I mean like a second after we stopped recording, Alex texted me saying Drogic's in the Nets. <laughs> it was incredible. Um, made his debut for the team last night, looked pretty good, was trusted with uh, the inbound, being the inbounder late game in their their clutch time win over the Bucs. Um, KD potentially going to return next week, seems pretty likely. However, Ben Simmons, no real timetable on when he's going to play. Uh, the, the Nets have come out and said that it's very skeptical that all three of their guys are going to be together by that, that uh, March 12th game versus Philly. Seems very it's not gonna happen. Um, however, something other than Ben Simmons, things are tending in the next direction right now. They they finally broke their losing streak. That was very important. Comeback win over the over the, the Bucks, big win there. The the rules against Kyrie Irving being unvaccinated are in the works of being changed so he could potentially at least play his home playoff games. I'm not even gonna touch that right now um you bring in a guy like Drogic to add another you know veteran player you got KD potentially coming back in a week or so things are looking up for this Brooklyn Nets team however right now they're still in the play-in tournament first things first how terrifying is is, would this be the most terrifying seven or eight seed of all time
1: yes but I think we should we need to comment on what we said last year I mean you had LeBron James led Lakers they were the seven seed. Granted, the Suns played them very well, and I think we had proclaimed them as the scariest seven or eight. I'm hesitant mm-hmm. in the sense that this Nets team being a seven or eight, all healthy, is a lot scarier than that Lakers yeah. team from last year. But it's kind of like there's a reason that they're in this position. They've been decimated with injuries, and I know how much talent they have when healthy. But with that being said, I mean, there's discourse in the sense that you haven't played with each other a whole lot. Kyrie being the vaccinated issue, Kevin Durant just being injured. They're on paper, easily the scariest seven or eight seed we've ever seen. But nonetheless, still terrifying.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, I keep thinking about this as a Heat fan, like God, I really hope we're one because I have this feeling that the Nets win their for, if they're in that seven, eight matchup, they're just going to win against whoever they play if they're healthy enough. And then, cool. There's seven. That's why I want Miami to get one so badly because then, you're the chances of Brooklyn having to play two games in that play-in feels pretty minimal if they're healthy to me. If they're not healthy, I like if Ben Simmons isn't playing or if Kevin Durant's not playing or if Kyrie can't play their home games. I'm not worried about that next team. My only worry is if they're fully healthy. Um, but I'd still like to avoid them regardless. Same as the other teams that are potentially contending for that spot. They're, the Raptors, I wouldn't be too mad about the Raptors. I think he can handle, but the Celtics are still in that conversation. They're six right now. That's another team that like, they're not the most complete, but they got really, really hot. And they're, as we know, a very solid basketball team. If they fall into that play in tournament, they're not going to be an easy out. Um, But also now that I brought it up, I do have to mention that right now we are matched up with another Philly Boston first round playoff matchup, which I'm begging for. I would love that so much. Uh-
1: yeah, I, the three through six, though, are divided by like a game or two, so there could be a lot of shakeup. I mean, the Raptors have brought themselves back into contention. They've been playing well this year. Uh, I would like it in the sense that I really do think we, like, we got blown out by 50. I will very much acknowledge that. What can Harden do, though? Who knows? But... I, <laughs> I like the idea of it. I'm not scared. I do think the Sixers could win a seven-game series against them. It's just like God. If I have to go through another set of dealing with that, it's just so stressful for me because it's such a rivalry and something that like I'd go all in on. Let's say I'm not already, but it's like my hatred for Boston plus my love for the Sixers. Just it's too much, too much for my heart, Robbie.
0: Getting old. I understand, I understand, but would, would that be worse than having the Sixers meet the Celtics in, like, the conference finals? No, because of yeah, the same
1: please. the same token, they're both, like, the Sixers have won two series and then got to the finals. The Celtics would, in this case, and to me, like, okay, they lose in the conference finals, that does suck, and I hate it. At the same time, though, they've made it to the conference finals for the yes. first time ever, and on top of that, like, you can, if Conference finals are so like that's up in the air. You're playing the two best teams in the the conference, and it can go either way. I mean, people are warm, they're ready, and barring injuries, like they should be playing kind of the same level.
0: Um, yeah, it's fair. Either way, time will tell what all the, what these matchups are going to be. But right now, Brooklyn, I think they're they're eight, if I'm not mistaken. They would be playing Toronto in that first matchup in the play-in. So we we will keep very close eyes on that in Boston and. Uh, I, I'm not exactly sure who nine and 10 are. I think it's like, it's, I really don't know. Honestly, it's it's not really worth looking too much into. They're not going to make very much noise the Eastern Conference. But that's the Brooklyn drama as of right now. Again, no word on Ben Simmons' debut quite yet. The Los Angeles Lakers. I actually thought we were going to end up talking about them a lot more this year, obviously being when they bring in Russell Westbrook to form that massive big three but we've barely touched on them because they suck. Plain and simple. They suck. They are under 500. Anthony Davis is out for over a month now. And it's coming to the point where they're just going to get exactly where they were last year. They're going to get in the play-in since they have LeBron. They're very likely going to win to the point where they get into the actual playoffs. That's, that's just my assumption that LeBron can at least win one game at a time. Um, but then you're gonna get into the first round matchup against either a young team that's hungry, hasn't been there before, and, and is ready to jump on you, or just a team that because you're a seven or eight seed is just straight up better than you. It's plain and simple. That's where the Lakers are at right now. They're they're now a, a couple games behind LA for the eighth seed, which is you know this that second guaranteed game in, in the play-in. They're probably not gonna fall out, they're about three and a half up over Portland right now for the for the 10. I don't think they're going to fall. Even if they do continue to lose, I don't think they're going to fall past 10. The the question all year has been, what can they do to turn things around? And the answer has been in front of everybody all year long, there's nothing. LeBron James is playing some of the best basketball of his career, statistically speaking. And it doesn't matter. The the comment came out today from an anonymous GM that LeBron can no longer lead a team. I think the, the correction to that is no. LeBron can no longer lead any team. LeBron needs some help at this point. I don't even think we need to go as far as to say LeBron needs anybody better than Russell Westbrook on his team. But he needs a better constructed roster than what they have right now. He needs a better GM than Rob Polinka is. I think that's why he reached out to Sam Presti. Um, Just reaching out on a limb there. But there's just – also, I don't think we're talking enough about how poor things have gone for the Lakers front office since – essentially the fall of Kobe, Uh, like when, when Kobe stopped playing his, you know, exceedingly high championship level basketball, the injury started to set in their front office essentially just crumbled. They haven't had other than that one title year with LeBron basically had no success since then, since, since Kobe, that's, that's a, that's a front office issue. That's not just a coaching staff. That's not just a personnel player personnel. That is, that is an interior issue that isn't being addressed because they're the Los Angeles Lakers.
1: I'm going to spin that, though, because you're... Okay, LeBron came in, had a very young roster around him. Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, Josh Hartz. That team did not make the playoffs. Granted, it's probably because LeBron got hurt.
0: Mm -hmm. They were the fourth seed before he got hurt.
1: Exactly. You then... I'm going to assume something here, and maybe I'm dead wrong. We will never... Truly know the answer to this, but I imagine LeBron was like, "We should get another star to pair me up with." Okay, fair. Rather than wait for rather than waste away some years of his career for Brandon Ingram to potentially get to that point, you go and get Anthony Davis. You win the title. You know, I wouldn't even call it's not a hoax by any means. You won the title. COVID had some disruption, but you win that title. Okay, awesome. My issue is when you went all in on Anthony Davis, you gave up a lot of those pieces that could be such good role players. the The year after, you kind of go all in again, where you're signing like you're signing Wesley Matthews, you're signing Avery Bradley, you're signing these players that have name value, but you have so much money tied up in LeBron and AD for obvious reasons. This offseason, when you don't win, you go out and get Russell Westbrook. Okay, fine. But there's so much money tied up there, like you can't do anything. And I tend to imagine that LeBron was the driving factor in getting Russell Westbrook there. Mm -hmm. it's This is the whole conversation of, you know, you have a team like the Nets. You can stack the team and make a super team, but... If they're on these massive contracts, you're never going to be able to round them out with anything else. And that's what happened to Lakers this year. They had slim pickings. They lost Caruso.
0: I want to spin that a little bit because I actually think the Nets, some of their depth beyond their their stars is actually decent. I think their biggest issue is the fact that their starters don't play. That was regardless of Harden and Simmons their starters played 17 those three played 17 games together that was their major issue guys like Mills, Drogic, Aldridge those are actually relatively useful players to have right now the end of the bench is miserable like like all super teams will be it has to be but I mean even that heat big three team that was it was raved about how useless the players other than the big three were has a better roster around them than that like than this current Lakers team
1: and I I mean Malik
0: Monk is nothing and he's their third leading scorer Right.
1: And what I will say to that is like let's go back to the the heat big 3. You had Wade, Bosh and LeBron there. This is before though the Supermax where mm. like you were I don't know what the contracts were, but I imagine you're paying them 20, 25 million dollars per year
0: and one was under 20. I think Bosh was like 19.
1: If you could get away with that like you're paying guys like oh, I need a good example here. I don't have one, but like Gordon Hayward's getting 25 million a year, which is more than like LeBron was getting back then. And the salary cap has obviously gone up, but those max contracts have done so much. And yeah, Malik Monk has been kind of a dime in the rough where you got him for nothing from Charlotte. He just kind of walked over there, but also it's things like getting Carmelo over there. Granted, they didn't pay him anything, but you know, he's getting old and he can still score and play, but you're trading away all these assets for the future to hope to win now. And if you're not winning, this is kind of what happens where 80 has been hurt this entire season. So it doesn't help anything. But you sold your soul for a championship. You got it. And there's going to be repercussions to pay. But I was, mean, they're... sorry, go ahead, go ahead. I was just going to say like the GM front office. They are the ones who actually did it. So they will, you know, pay with their jobs on you know for whatever reason. Hopefully.
0: Because you, you gotta remember even before LeBron, like they made that stupid move to trade Zubach for Mike Muscala. A young Zubach who was playing well for them. They actively did not bring back Rajon Rondo after he was probably the third best player on that championship team. They've made mistakes I, beyond LeBron telling them what 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 to and not to do.
1: And you know who did those and has well. They Magic Johnson was the catalyst. yeah I, I
0: know Magic Johnson's gone, but
1: he was the catalyst at least behind that Zubac trade. And when asked about that, he was like, he didn't see potential in him after the fact. Which I I guess to be fair, I mean he hasn't done a whole on the Clippers like he's, he's okay. But...
0: but if you're telling me that the Lakers instead of Dwight Howard and DeAndre Jordan right now could have Ivica Zubac, that is so much better.
1: I don't disagree, but you also got rid of Mike Beasley in that trade. Let's not forget that. That did help. That did help. That
0: was that was the last trade Michael Beasley was a part of, I believe, until he was just out of the NBA all together.
1: Yeah. I, in short, though, like I, we're, we go back and forth this entire mm-hmm. thing. I really think it was they were asked to go get a star, and once you get a star, like you have, well, three of them, you are dealing with such minimal cap space. Russell Westbrook deserves a big contract, but it's. 45 million a year and so is lebron 80s i imagine like in the high 30s you're dealing with such minimal cap space where you're signing guys to literal vet minimums and praying yeah. you can use mid-level exceptions so i don't know it goes back and forth but in the grand scheme of things what they try it was a failed experiment
0: in yes hand. They can recover if they're able to trade Westbrook in the offseason. Great. If not, you got one more year paying him 47 and then you're done. Like, whatever. LeBron will still be there. <laughs> but that's, yeah, the Lakers at this point, I would jump ship from them having any title hopes. Last thing they get to in the Eastern Conference here, I want to talk about, or excuse me, Western Conference here and in the NBA in total. Um, I want to talk about the Phoenix Suns because they have the best record in the NBA, number one seed in the Western Conference. However, they will be without. All-star point guard Chris Paul for likely the rest of the regular season out about six to eight weeks, and possibly even into the playoffs a bit, he could be out. Um, obviously a major injury. Uh it could have major implications, especially if maybe the Lakers do get that eight seed and they get you know matched up, rematched up with Phoenix again and there's no Chris Paul. Phoenix, which we remember, was a very different team before Chris Paul. Obviously, his impact is now cemented in you know, parts of Devin Booker's game that weren't there before, same with DeAndre Eight and some of these other guys. His impact goes beyond him just being on the court. However, obviously it, it, he's mostly impactful on the court. If he's not there, I you know, Cameron Payne's had a good resurgence there. He could be a useful point guard to fill in, but Booker's been the main guy at point guard recently. And I, I don't know. It's just he, being it specifically Chris Paul aside, having a very good playmaking point guard is extremely useful and extremely hard to replicate by just having a playmaker in general fill the void Devin Booker has done an excellent job he's not going to hurt them too many ways but he's also not going to give them the advantages that Chris Paul does at point guard that's where some issues can be I still don't think they'll have any issue in a first round matchup even with LeBron James potentially being that uh, that that matchup but if Paul is forced to miss extensive time through the playoffs this is a team that's going to lose in the second round of the playoffs depending on if they're the team that ends up getting jaw in the second round or they get a bad matchup they get like maybe Luca gets hot. Maybe, maybe the Nuggets get healthy and, and they go on another big run. Who knows? But it's, that's it, 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 it's not going to hurt them too much record wise, but we we know the impact Chris Paul has and what it's going to mean for him to be off or be out.
1: I'll give you a little bit of information that may quell the first round scares. Chris Paul last year he, in, I think it was like game one or two, he got a real bad left arm injury and like, really couldn't use his arm, essentially. He would play, but it was kind of like a decoy in the grand scheme of things. So, useless. I mean, if you look at the stat line of those games, a few points here or there, but nothing substantial. Not what we know from Chris Paul. Not having him on the court doesn't help because he's not a decoy, but at the same time, I think that Suns roster is deep enough to handle a first-round matchup. Second round, yeah, you're 100% right. Where it's going to, you need your team to be at full health if you're going against Ja, if you're going against like the Jazz, or I think the Mavericks are the only ones where I'm like, maybe because they can play pretty good defensively, but that's about it.
0: Yeah. that a, Ma- a Maverick Suns matchup with no Chris Paul just feels like who scores more between Luka and Booker. But yeah, Phoenix in some trouble. We'll, we'll give you updates on Chris Paul's health as we get them. Um, But, yeah, likely out for around two months at this point, which is potentially a very large issue for that Phoenix Suns team. All right, look at that. Got through an entire NBA port without talking about the heat. So proud of myself. All right, we're going to move on here. One last very fun segment that we have planned here. If you remember back to the beginning of the NFL season, we decided to do what we call time capsules, which were make predictions at the beginning of the season and to wait for this exact moment to see – uh, how those predictions came to pass. So I'm going to now hand the floor to you and let you, you gotta take away what, what we thought would happen and some embarrassing truths that I'm sure are, are awaiting.
1: Yeah, so being that we are amateurs and we're not psychics, we make predictions all the time. We make some that are right, some are wrong. So at the start of the NFL season, we did predictions. I had a list of stuff I asked like the day before the season started and then we also did the division winner. So we're going to go through this list. I wrote down some notes that we said other than just the predictions. So. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. No. This is the time where we're going to really see how we did. And I think you're i are going to I, I really do. I don't want to hear. <laughs> so we're going to go through the list of division winners or who we thought. I will start with myself. No, i will start with you because I like to watch you scream. So, NFC East, you said the Cowboys. Shockingly enough, Cowboys won that pretty bad division.
0: Devastating that I got that right.
1: I also said the Cowboys. I said nine wins was going to be what effectively wins the division. You were more like eight. With that being said, the Eagles had such a great year and – my pessimistic personality got the best of me i said the eagles will not compete and sure enough they did granted not a whole lot of success in the postseason but nonetheless i was wrong about that and yeah. kind of glad I, am.
0: I don't remember if i said it i feel like i had the thought the eagles might make a playoff run just because of how easy their schedule looked i don't remember if i said it on podcast on the cast or if we were just riffing it back and forth but respect
1: we will get to what you thought. I, I am aware. Very I know what's very coming. shortly. <laughs> okay. NFC West. Yeah. By far the toughest division we were looking at this season. Robbie said the Cardinals. And yeah, I know what I said.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: no, we're not even going to talk about like what, what you said. The Cardinals had a great season. They fell apart at the end, and they made the playoffs. And quite frankly, we're... Beating the Seahawks game away from winning that division. Let's not forget that. So I said the Rams are clear-cut favorites to win this division. The Cardinals are frauds. And I said that they'll probably start 3-0. I will start questioning this pick. And then they may end up with just a wild card. (laughs) I think that's pretty spot on. I
0: agree. I'll add one thing that I don't know if you wrote it down, but I definitely remember saying that uh, the 49ers were going to finish last in that division. And they, in fact, went to the NFC championship, still finished third in the division. But...
1: We kind of get to that just with the playoff predictions, but I, maybe you said they finished last, but I really think there was like the reason behind it was because you had another yeah, team a little more fair. highly favored, which hint, hint, it's the Seahawks in this case. Okay. NFC North, no surprise here. Both boasted the Packers, they had the best record in the NFC. The other one that you had said was, you know, the Vikings could potentially make a little bit of noise, but more so Adam Thielen would take a step down, which he had 700 yards receiving, like nothing to really talk home about. He did have 10 TDs, but Justin Jefferson has clearly taken that step as the wide receiver one maybe not a step down, but not like yeah, he got, he got surpassed. Dicks. He didn't and, necessarily
0: yeah. regress, but yeah, he's no longer the clear cut one anymore. That's, I'll take it.
1: Yeah. NFC South both said the Bucks. I had a little more optimism about maybe the Falcons could make some noise. And based off what you were saying, I think they made a bit more noise yes. than we expected, but I mean, Bucs yep. clear cut favorites. Yeah, I
0: projected the Falcons to be the worst team in the NFL. They were in the playoff hunt most of the year.
1: AFC East, so we'll switch conferences. Both said the Bills. You said Bills eleven wins and sure enough, ah, 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 killing it. I believe that eleven. I'm gonna be mad if it twelve.
0: Did they have,
1: wait, didn't they have twelve? I it was either eleven six, twelve, or five. 11, 6, So you were right.
0: bang! I didn't want to have to retract my my loud noise of happiness.
1: But bang! But nonetheless. Bills won that division. I said more like 13, and honestly, if they probably got 13, it would have helped out a lot more in the playoffs.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: West. You're the same both in the North the Chilean, aren't you? No. Well, yeah, might as well. <laughs> West, we both said the Chiefs pretty convincingly. They won the division. Uh, there was a pretty big roller coaster in there. We got the prediction right, but we did not – Really think the division would go that way. Broncos started really hot, fizzled out. You said the Raiders maybe would give a bit of a threat, which they did. I mean, they were a wild-card team. Chargers were very hit or miss, but didn't acknowledge them at all. Chiefs win the division, but not in the easiest of fashion, nonetheless. Mm -hmm. Okay, AFC South. Both of the Titans, I said, don't sleep on the Colts. <laughs> you said, I don't trust Carson Wentz. I think we were both right though.
0: I, th- I think we both speaking. had our, our, our accurate thoughts, yeah.
1: Fair enough. I said, as long as Mike Vrabel doesn't do anything stupid, they should win the division. Mike Vrabel saved that for the postseason. Coach of the year. And, <laughs> yeah.
0: Alright. the
1: postseason, AFC North. Oh. This is, but hey, when we were doing predictions, we said this was the toughest division. We did. We did. We both said the Browns. I'm going to say a few things, though. I said the Steelers would be a fringe last wildcard team. You obviously had the optimism as well. You said the Browns, but after that statement, you said, but they will disappoint.
0: Yep. And they They did, did, nonetheless. Well, I'm not disappointed because I'm glad that I actually got that one wrong if I picked the Browns. I shouldn't even never have done that. It,
1: It was tough, but nonetheless, we were both wrong in that end. Uh, wild cards. We were horrendously off. Wait, I, I do
0: want to backtrack it real quick again, though, because I, I remember also saying that I specifically said the one team of the AFC North that I do not think has a chance to make the playoffs, the Cincinnati Bengals.
1: Oh, we, we will get to, we will get to that. Don't <laughs> worry. Wild cards. I said the Ravens, Colts and Dolphins would make the wild card. None of them made it Uh wild card in the NFC. 49ers Saints Seahawks 49ers did Saints did not just missed. Well, it would have been one or the other. Yeah, 49ers right, have been out. Right. Seahawks miserable year. Yep. Your end. Dolphins, Ravens, Steelers, Steelers make it and then wild card. You said the Rams cuz you picked the Cardinals and you know so be it they both made it. Seahawks which we were horribly wrong about yep. and then the Bears. <laughs> you said the bears heinous
0: oh uh, guys i'm sorry to be fair i won't think i don't think i would have said the eagles but <laughs> fair <laughs>
1: that's so funny i suck those are our division predictions i think those I, grand scheme of things i think they went pretty well i mean oh, yeah. we got i got one two three four five six i i got seven right you had six right yeah. That's pretty impressive, nonetheless. And then wild card, you know, we should never do again. Didn't have to go No. <laughs> all right. I have our actual time capsule picks now. And these are kind of funny. Oh, boy. All right. So, Super Bowl champions. We both said the Bills. And we were wrong. I don't think that's a terrible pick, though. We saw a lot of incredible moments happened in the playoffs that prevented the Bills from... Well, incredible from Patrick Mahomes. Dumb, imbecile moments from the Bills' defense. Nonetheless, Bills did not win the Super Bowl. The Rams did. I don't know if I said... I don't think I said it in this, but I thought that it would be Bills versus Rams. I did not think the Rams would win the Super Bowl. So, hey, so be it. Fair. MVPs. You said... Derek Henry win the MVP. And honestly, if he didn't get hurt, I think there's a legitimate chance. I was gonna
0: say I feel pretty good about that if he doesn't get hurt. Like he Rogers might still win, but Henry basically takes Taylor's place at the very least. So
1: Yeah, and I mean you compete against Jonathan Taylor, but at the same time, like not not bad. Mine was a little more heinous, I gotta be honest. I said Patrick Mahomes is going to win the MVP and break the touchdown record. <laughs> he did not. Uh, he was – he had a pretty poor season for what he is used to doing. He did not break the touchdown record. He still had a great season, AFC Championship game nonetheless, but not a regular season MVP by any means. All right. The one – I didn't think I answered this, but you did. I asked who would have more interceptions – Jameis Winston or Ryan Fitzpatrick. You said Jameis Winston. And what you said was probably because Ryan Fitzpatrick would get benched. In this case, he got hurt. Jameis Winston would play even if he got benched. And until he tore his ACL, I mean, Winston definitely had more interceptions because I think Fitzpatrick played like a game.
0: And I think he played like minutes in a game.
1: Pretty much. So Jameis Winston finished the season with, well, three interceptions. It's going to be dicey, actually. It <laughs> was, was dicey and ryan fitzpatrick finished with 13 total yards no interceptions so congrats that's pretty good prediction that's tough
0: that was a tough one that was actually closer than it should have been
1: bad boy uh mine were completely off i said jalen ramsey would be a bad boy maybe because he would snap at his team whatever honestly didn't see the fire i expected from jalen ramsey he Got burned a little bit in the playoffs. Maybe some face mess thrown in there. Yeah. But, I mean, he got a Super Bowl, so who am I to really comment on that? <laughs> Devontae Adams was another one I said offensively. He did not snap. Uh, the Packers did not start 3-3. Three and three. In fact, they were like 6-1 and one to start the yep. season. So, pretty solid on their parts. Had a great season, but didn't snap. Your two. <laughs> you said Aaron Donald snapped. Maybe he did, but he did not show it. Uh, Put it this way, he had a monster postseason, and I mean, still a great regular season, but was the catalyst for the Rams. Wasn't a bad boy nonetheless, but I think those moments where he's like hyping up his team, trying to be a leader, not bad boy worthy, but at the same time, I think he was more intense this year and (laughs) was the reason the Rams were able to win the Super Bowl, among other things. But the other one you said...
0: Antonio Brown. I I knew it was I was like, I had a feeling I said Antonio Brown.
1: (laughs) Sure enough. You know, it wasn't looking too hot to start the season, but Antonio Brown came through in the clutch as always. Yeah, we Antonio Brown caused a lot of drama. I think the only other person we could have picked over Antonio Brown was Henry Ruggs, and that's like yeah, that's just terrible. I guess Deshaun Watson, but We had said we had both come to the consensus like that's kind of cheap. Yeah, it doesn't – yeah. With that being said, though, we did have Deshaun Watson. Will Deshaun Watson play a snap? You said no. He will be traded throughout the season Ah. and would not play a single snap. Definitely rumors about that for the Dolphins. He did not – I said he'll just stay put won't play. A lot of rumors of this offseason that he could end up somewhere. But – Interesting developments in that end.
0: Well, congratulations on guessing that one.
1: No problem. Uh, we got to just go to underrated people, underrated players, we thought. I said Bud Dupree. He had 16 tackles and two sacks. He When he played, he was decent, but
0: yeah,
1: underrated wouldn't categorize that. Yours was Julio Jones. Oh. Plagued, plagued with injuries. That was That's a miss on our part. Yeah. And then we have our last two, which are going to get interesting. Overrated team, we thought. I said the Arizona Cardinals, (laughs) specifically Kyler Murray. People were calling him the next Mahomes. I said, hell no. He was not going to win games when it matters. Yeah. Maybe the caveat there is his team was incredibly decimated
0: with injuries. Yeah but he they still he was not super consistent in the second half of the season you were still right to like yeah losing hopkins hurts but you still have a pretty good receiving core around that and wasn't really able to get the job done in the end
1: oh you thought i was gonna say i was wrong that's just heinous i spot on with that give it to me (laughs) however i gotta give this one to you even though mine was pretty spot on most overrated team robbie said cleveland browns (laughs) They are the most overrated team of the last decade, and they will fall below Pittsburgh, which all three of those this year, spot, 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 spot
0: on. I'm going to say this once because we have, we, have, we have friends of the podcast, friends in general, that claim all of the time that I give the Browns too much shit. I argue I don't give them enough shit. They suck, and I'm right.
1: Speaking of my trip, though, I did see the Cleveland Browns stadium. Beautiful stadium. I'll give him, give him that. All right. And the last one, which I think is comical looking back on the season, I had picked two teams and I asked which would have the better record. I asked which will have the better record, the Giants or the Bengals? Oh, no. You said they will have the exact same record at 6-11. and 11. I said the Bengals by a game. <laughs> so we were both criminally off I think that's one that aged very well in the sense of how bad it is yeah. from how good the Bengals did this
0: season. So imagine thinking back and like knowing how well the Bengals did and then like posing that question like like just no clue how that was going to go.
1: No, I thought young quarterbacks, kind of young teams, hey, let's see who gets a better record. Not thinking it would matter. Sure enough, Bengals won the AFC outright and were aaron donald away from winning a super bowl effectively but and on the flip side giants sucked they were not good by any means god that one's funny though that's i gotta do more of those and hopefully we'll have a better one next year but that was good though no that was was
0: fun we're definitely gonna have to do this
1: again for next season that was great the the good time shout out to my dad for that suggestion i know he'll appreciate listening to these but that's a wrap on the 2021 season i honestly there were some moments between the refs, the taunting calls, but I think we got the best brand of football we could have asked for. The playoffs were just insane and unbelievable time. And, I, yeah, I'm itching for more football. The USFL is having their season start in April, but I will, st- I will passively watch it. We're going to get more into basketball. The USFL is going to be, look, a uh, shiny uniform, or there's too much red uniforms in these because – they have, like, eight teams, and, like, six of them are just red
0: aggressively. Oh, Chris, <laughs> But it's football. It's something. Football. <laughs> football. Yeah, that is, that is the, the wrap for this season. And what we're going to talk about for it, we'll get into the draft as it gets closer and, and we start to see some mock drafts come out. But, yeah, until then, we're going to kind of shift to the tide of basketball. Is no baseball going on right now. It doesn't look like the season's going to start on time. So, we'll keep you posted with that. But we got March Madness coming up we got the, the sprint to the NBA playoffs. Again, about 18, 19 games left. We're going to get the full coverage going here. Might even dip into some hockey. Who knows? If we get bored, have some fun. Maybe bring back some segments, too, if we get a little sick of basketball. But that's, that's the plan for right now. That's our episode for this week. I hope you guys enjoyed, as always. Let us know what you think. And we'll be back with you guys next week.
1: Take care, everyone.